Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, public relations consultant, Alyssa PR, and talk about everything from uh, back to school to gender uh, gender reveal parties. Alyssa, how are you? Hope you're doing well. I am just fine and so good to talk to you, Scott. I hope you had a great long weekend. Yes, I did, and I hope you did too. Um, back to school, we've seen the messaging. Uh, obviously, the you know the government's trying to you know uh, I, I guess put everybody's uh, minds at ease that things are you know as good as we can expect. On the other side, uh, teachers' unions um, were not ready. We should have been doing this weeks ago, which I have a really hard time with, simply because weeks ago uh, we were shutting down uh, the world and telling everybody to go home and stay there and don't move. Uh, well, we were trying to figure out how to keep the old people alive, secure some uh, personal protective equipment, and find out what this was all about. So, uh, again, uh, your thoughts on how the whole back-to-school thing has been handled? Well, it's been very up and down, and uh, the unions have really been fomenting a lot of fear um, among parents, uh, certainly among their membership, but, you know, maybe that's what they think they're supposed to be doing. Really, um, any messages that are coming out of the unions right now are, yes, maybe uh, for parents as a tangent, but truly it's to, uh, you know, to show posture that they are, being, you know, staying relevant for their membership base, as far as I'm concerned. When I talked to some parents anecdotally today, how did it go? Because some kids did go back to school, talked to some friends in Ottawa, and they said, you know, it was fine. And um, another friend said, you know, you could see that these kids are so excited to get back. So, you know, there are going to be flare-ups, as we have seen in in Quebec, that there is sometimes a a COVID flare-up, and it usually happens outside of the... um, Outside of the outside of the school, and measures are being taken. Uh, I I think that you know the government, the Ontario government, maybe should have well, you know, maybe they should have started worrying about this, you know, back in March when they closed schools, or at least April, and not in August when everybody's fears were you know starting to ramp up. And and I think that the lack of preparedness is maybe what's worrying parents. But I think from what the numbers that I have heard uh, recently that. You know, 80% are sending their kids back and something like 20% are going to stay online and or homeschool um, shows that I think parents want to start to get back to some sense of normalcy and are crossing their fingers that everything's going to be all right. I just, you know, and, and you just mentioned it here, too, that, you know, a lack of preparedness, lack of this, lack of that is what we're hearing from the teachers unions. They should have been doing this months ago. You know, I, I remember them, you know, sending the kids home and trying to get them learning online. They couldn't get that happening. Uh, I, I think months ago, the again, the concern was trying to keep the old people alive, trying to figure out how this spreads, uh, trying to secure, uh, you know, safety equipment and 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 figure out how do we shut the economy down uh and and while doing this how do we continue to teach the kids uh i don't think the teachers had a handle on that so uh, when the government's in the middle of dealing with a pandemic is hey heading back to class is that the priority i don't think that was the priority even 90 days ago because we were in a different place it just wasn't the priority no. Well, well, that is true. And remember, it was the unions who said who wanted to take virtual learning off the table when they were doing their initial bargaining. 
And Absolutely. As soon as COVID, uh, the specter of COVID started to rear its ugly head, trust me, every one of them ran uh, to the government to secure whatever they could secure because 2% was out of the question. So even to get the 1% um, raise was something that they wanted to nail down. And of course, you know, just like virtual care, Scott, that is something that seemed insurmountable as a challenge uh, for the healthcare system, yet we had to do it. We turned on a dime and made it happen. Uh, when it came to virtual learning, you know, there wasn't so much of a dime to turn on, to be quite honest. And I think that a lot of teachers were unprepared. I think that if you're doing any sort of formal planning uh, for the future, obviously virtual learning is part of that. And that's something that a lot of boards uh, ignored and refused to say that that was going to be part of the deal. And so, there, it was so inconsistent uh, when the kids were getting out of school. I mean, some teachers were knocking it out of the park. Some of them were just doing the bare minimum. I mean, it was even amazing within the same school, the differences we were seeing in the performances of the teachers. So, again, for them to be working on September when they couldn't even make, you know, uh, April and May happen, it just seems absurd to me. Well, I think everybody knows that, and I think the unions know that, but they're certainly uh, bellyaching about it. Now they're going over this as a human rights issue just to, you know, really double down. And so what does that mean? So if a lot of teachers couldn't adapt to virtual learning, um, you know, back then, and you're going to try and shut it all down and make them go back to virtual learning, so what? The substandard delivery of education as we experienced it in that last a uh, few months after our extended spring break is that what you're is that what you're saying because you don't have any other any other answers and you act more as a disruptor than actually a problem solver can you tell I'm on a bit of a high horse with this but you know uh, be that as it may uh, you know the end game what is the end game here and you're right the discrepancy of how kids uh, adapted to uh, were able to actually partake in virtual learning you know there is a huge, huge discrepancy in, ter- you know, in terms of kids with invulnerable populations, where uh, a friend of mine is a uh, special ed teacher that specializes in reading. And, you know, she is in a vulnerable, she teaches in, a, in an area with a vulnerable population. And in some of these families, you've got three kids sharing one tablet. So in order for her to get, you know, in uh, some time to read with her student, it would have to be at a certain day at a certain time for 30 minutes. So it's not like there's equitable distribution when it comes to virtual learning. And that's something else that the board really has to take into into consideration, too. I think just for the amount of attention they get, for the amount of money they get, I think parents expected way more from them. Just even to be nimble. I mean, it just, it was like turning the Titanic. Do you think the unions are overplaying their hand here? I think, do you think it's a different world now post COVID 19 and people just don't have the patience for this stuff? I mean, it it seems very selfish and self serving at this point in time. No? Well, sure it does. And I think what the, the whole game plan on behalf of the unions is let's wait till there's an outbreak. And so we can all say, I told you so. Yeah, there's a, it's a no-win situation. It's a no-win situation for the government. The union's going to win uh, either way because they know it is impossible to put 15 kids in a classroom because we don't have enough schools, we don't have enough teachers. So that's impossible. And then, of course, there's going to be an outbreak. They're going to point and say, I told you so. It's a perfect scenario because no matter what the union says, it's impossible to, to, to grant everything they want. And in the end, the, they'll look better than the government because they'll say, see, told you so. 
Well, will they, will they, Scott? I think the well, people are getting tired of the unions. I don't know whether that's a majority or a minority. I think parents are just nervous enough right now, like hoping that their kid is, is safe and happy in school. I think that that's the big thing. There is a staggered start. So I know some people who are starting, their kids are starting next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, another friend has two kids and one starting this Thursday, the other one starting next Friday. Yeah. So there are staggered starts for you know teachers to uh, get their lesson planning and act together. I'm not sure what that means. Like, I'm not sure if it's about the lesson planning or it's about creating, um, you know, physical distancing or finding other areas where kids can be, you know, 15 in the class where there's, you know, six feet between them. I, I, I don't know what, what, what that means in terms of uh, extra space because, you know, it's been, it has not been uh, or extra, the extra time that they need. It has not been made clear. But even my neighbor whose kid is going back next week already knows her schedule. She knows that she's going in in the morning for about, I don't know, two and a half, three hours. Then there's a bit of an extended lunch. So those kids who don't live near the school have time to get back for lunch. And then they have, I think, something like three classes of 45 minutes each. So they've already determined that's what they're doing. This is a large high school with about 2,500 kids. So if they were able to figure out, I'm, I'm not sure why all the other schools haven't been on the same track in terms of figuring it out, unless they're waiting, taking cues from the union. I don't know. But I think that the sta- if a staggered start is supposed to, you know, assuage parents, um, I guess it's doing that to some extent, but not to a whole lot as far as I'm concerned. Alyssa Freeman, husband with us, public relations consultant, Alyssa PR, and we never even got to talk about the gender reveal parties, but we will hold that for a few. (laughs) Exactly. We'll talk about that later. Thank you, Alyssa. Be well. Oh, and you too, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.